The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to the seventh episode of our WandaVision coverage. Yeah. Seven <laughs> episodes in, eight episodes of the show, and we have one more to go. This We are going to cover the penultimate episode. By the way, I love that word. It's a fantastic word. I it's am just... saddened that I learned it so late in my life. <laughs> Comparatively. I mean, we're we're in our mid-30s. <laughs> right. I really hope that this isn't what we would end up considering late in life. <laughs> no, but I, I wish I knew it earlier in my life. No, it's just a fun word to say. I Yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, obviously, yeah, I, I'm about every other episode when I say this, uh, when I actually say it on the episode. There are going to be spoilers in this episode. Uh, we are going to talk about the, the episode of WandaVision. And, I mean, honestly, you know, I don't even know how you talk about it without spoilers. It would be tough. It would be very tough. There would be a couple words like the and maybe Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't spoil it. Yeah, I mean, for folks who have not watched this, who, who had not watched the series to listen to a podcast about it, especially, I mean, getting this deep into it, there are just the, the basic premise that we're going to be talking about in and of itself is kind of a spoiler. So, but again, just be forewarned, there are spoilers. So this episode titled Previously On, which is fun because, you know, at the beginning of every episode, with the exception, obviously, the first one, Wanda says previously on WandaVision. And then, you know, we get the little the little recap. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, again, just, you know, they are sticking with that, that, that television theme. And this is, again, a, a very perfect um, title. Yes. And then we get to the well, Marvel logo. Before we get to that, though, I mean, the title previously on. Yes. This episode is going to be looking at a lot of past events, the entirety of the episode. So not only is it just a, a great television name, it is a very fitting name for the episode because it really deals with previous events. Yes. Starting with um, when the Marvel logo comes up, uh, it does the the regular marvel right. logo with the, it, yeah, the, the no montage the normal marvel studios logo. yeah and then you know it has marvel with the red background and then it turns to purple which is agatha's color which i just i don't know something about that it was just a beautiful artistic decision or i don't know homage to what's about to go down like it just tells you right there this episode is serious no it it does and it helps and the show does this in a, in a lot of ways not necessarily not specifically this episode but the show in general it is a very subtle way of setting tone and the show has done this very very well repeatedly um so yeah so the so the title screen for marvel studios turns purple and then we are sent back to 16 93, I 90, think? Yeah, 93. Uh, to Salem, Massachusetts and the Salem Witch Trials. At least what we think are the Salem Witch Trials at first. It sold very well. Um, we see Agnes, who last episode obviously was revealed to be Agatha Harkness, uh, and obviously is, is a witch, being drugged by two other women to a, uh open area where there is a post set up, and she is brought to the post, and it looks like she is about to be burned at the stake. Um, but then... She is handcuffed magically, <laughs> and she is confronted by the other women who ask if she's a witch. Agatha says yes, and then she's accused of betraying her coven. This is a nice throwback to um, some of the her, Agatha's origins in the comics. It's not entirely comic accurate. Uh, Agatha Harkness is a character um, at one point claims to remember an event 500 years before the fall of Atlantis. Hmm. So you're talking tens of thousands of years before. Um, but she was in Salem and actually helped encourage the witch trials um, to purge parts of her coven and to help strengthen the resolve of of magic users in the new world. So the Salem witch trials do have, a, have an effect. An, um, a part to play in Agatha's story in the comics, but here 
she's basically accused of having accessed some power or ability that she shouldn't have and as such it is some kind of betrayal and she's to be presumably executed certainly some form of punishment yeah um but as she as this punishment is inflicted on her um by the coven she turns the magic on them and kills all of them yeah i think um i'm having to to recall my um my high school latin but i think what they were saying what they were chanting was mors monstro unnaturali and i think what they were saying is like death to the unnatural monster um that's what i interpreted it to be but again i had high school latin many years ago so i'm sure someone on the internet has already figured this out and i haven't sure researched it but um we also get the origin of her brooch yes um no i I, not that it particularly matters um i am curious the woman she refers to as mother i'm curious if that is a if that is her biological mother or if that is a reference to the leader of the coven i and the only reason i think maybe leader of the coven is and is i'm thinking of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and the leader of the Night Sisters Coven is Mother Talzin. Yes, I I think it's her actual mother. Um, just because I don't I I mean it could be both, but um yeah, I yeah, it could be both, but it could be one or the other. But I think they they were trying to get at that it was it was her actual mother because and and I think you can see that in the um the hesitation that she she has to actually um you know attack agatha with her with her magic she's um she hesitates and i feel like if she was just the leader of the coven and you know one of the women betrayed her then it wouldn't be as hard to attack with the magic but when it's your biological child um or a person you raised I i don't know somebody you have a special connection with sure um the other thing I was I was going to point out is that uh, this is a, a, a little bit of a different look for magic than we have seen previously in the MCU. Um, obviously, it looks quite a bit like Scarlet Witch's powers. However, you know, up until, up to this point, we haven't really identified Scarlet Witch's powers as being magic. Um, the only magic that we've dealt with are the the sorcerers um, from Doctor Strange's order and, and related orders. Yeah, we haven't seen anything that's actually called magic. Um, I mean, I think it it was kind of called magic in Doctor Strange, but it was justified or played off by being like a connection to other realms or something like that. Well, so it's it's, it's funny because I, I I looked this up just because it was something um, that kind of popped to mind. So various magic using groups in Dungeons and Dragons get their magic from different sources. Um, so I, I was just kind of curious, like how this lines up with with what we see here. Um, and it's funny because they're almost reversed. <laughs> um, a sorcerer in D anD D get their power is basically through through the, through a bloodline. It's it's a, a an inborn connection. Whereas a wizard is someone who gets it from study. You know, and obviously wizard and witch being kind of the, the parallels to one another. Um, so it's just funny that, you know, being a witch in the MCU here seems to be more inborn where being a sorcerer is something learned. Interesting. Yeah. Again, not nothing, you know, obviously D&D isn't like the, the end all be all, but it's just interesting that, that universes that make it a distinction between the two literally went in complete opposite directions. <laughs> Um, one thing I really noticed and enjoyed from this scene was when when all the witches in the coven are kind of attacking Agatha and trying to, to bring her down and she is screaming out like she's in pain and she's just screaming out and screaming out and nothing's happening and then she kind of like half-heartedly does it. She's like, ah, yeah, this hurts. Like... And then she's like, okay, enough of this, and kind of switches over to her purple powers and where she starts, it seems like draining the energy or draining the power from everybody else. But it kind of parallels what she's been doing in Wanda's world where she's like, oh, yeah, I'm playing along and playing along. And then she's like, okay, I'm bored now. I want to move on. <laughs> and... um See, I didn't quite take it that way. I I, I actually kind of took her a little bit on face value, value where she says she can't control it. 
Because I think she is, at that point, very junior and very inexperienced. And that's why she's being, you know, dealt with as such. So... Oh, she definitely comes across as, like, a snotty teenager who, like, kind of is is somewhat remorseful and somewhat wants to learn, but also enjoys well, having an attitude. Well, it's, it's not even that. It's just, like, when the, the power takes over, I think it's the power taking over. I don't think Agatha is in control of it at that point. Yeah. I, I, I think she's kind of, like you said, she's kind of done with it, but, like, it wasn't her choice. Like, she survived because this power wanted to survive. Yes, but I think she knew that that's what was going to happen. And I think she was just kind of playing for a little bit. Maybe. Because she was young and immature and, you know, could. I don't know. Who knows? The, the thing about this episode being the penultimate episode um, is that we now were at the point where now more questions are being answered than being created. But one of the things, you know, one of the few new questions that came out of this episode is like definitely more backstory on agnes is something i would certainly like to see in the future and being that this is a tv show and also part of the mcu and and we know that scarlet witch is gonna appear in other movies you know we have an opportunity i don't think we're gonna get much more of agnes's backstory in the last episode but we know that there is an opportunity to delve further deeper into it in the future. Potentially. Um, so you know, we kind of we kind of sat on this this opening scene here for a little bit. <laughs> it was um, a really good scene. <laughs> it was. Um, and like I said, it kind of it kind of conformed to a lot of a lot of the the structure and the basics from the comics, but also you know went in its own direction. Um, so, but having said that. So the, the next scene then moves back into Agatha's basement. Uh, we see Agatha confronting Wanda further. And we start to see kind of what Agatha's interest in this is. Like what, what her game is here. Um, Agatha basically felt this just overwhelming use of magic and was drawn to that degree of power. Um, you know, it's fairly obvious that, that she desires power based on that opening scene so that this this next you know scene again sees her kind of trying to figure out you know how the scarlet witch did all of this she she demonstrates several of the the spells that wanda would have had to use mind control transmutation um a, a number of these kind of things and then you know basically says you know that they're they're take years of study or they're fairly difficult or you know you can do them on small levels but to do something on the scale that Wanda did is unheard of and it almost doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I think Agnes is realizing that Wanda really has no idea anything about magic. She's Wanda tries to use her powers on, um, on Agatha while they're in the basement. And she's like, look, I put up these protection hexes and we see those hexagons above the door that I was talking about last, uh, last week. And she's like, those are runes. I cast the runes and only the witch who cast the runes can use their magic in this space. And she's like, how do you not know this? And so she's expecting to be confronting this super powerful, super knowledgeable fellow witch. And Agatha is realizing that Wanda really doesn't know anything about witchcraft or magic. Well, it's not even, it's not even so much at, at that, at this point, it's really just things don't add up. Yes. She doesn't have knowledge, but she has apparently done all of these crazy things. And that doesn't make any sense to someone like Agnes. Um, so so she has to pursue this further. So as she puts it, they're going to go through some real reruns. Um, and, and basically she's going to make Scarlet Witch relive a number of memories and events in her life in order to try and piece together and make sense of how we ended up where we are at, 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 in the Westview anomaly here. Um, and the first one uh, is kind of the logical starting point for Scarlet Witch is the day her parents are killed. And we see them um, having TV night, which is their night to practice English. And they watch I Love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke and Malcolm in the Middle. And Yeah, you called that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, at least in terms of like where the sitcom idea came from is that, you know, oh, that's what she practiced her English from. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I mean, just from having studied foreign language, you know, even in high school, you know, one of the best ways to pick up on a foreign language is to watch the television. Mm -hmm. Just immerse yourself in it. 
Yeah. Um, it's also very convenient when you are making a show for English-speaking viewers and it's set in a fake uh, Eastern European country. <laughs> right. Now, it, it is interesting. It, it's pretty obvious that, um, you know, Wanda's father is kind of a, a low-level uh, smuggler. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, you know, he, show, he he arrives home with suitcases full of, of American DVDs. There's a secret hiding spot where... They keep the keep Dick Van Dyke show, um, and if you look carefully, there's also a bunch of boxes of Nikes in there. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Eastern Bloc country, he's making money by buying Levi's and Nikes and selling them. Um, you know that 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 goes back all the way to you know the the, the Cold War, you know that kind of stuff. So um, I like that that was a nice touch, just because it it, it sets the characters in in a, in a good uh, grounding in 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 reality and in that time period. You know, obviously Sokovia is not a real country, but it it it's supposed to be this kind of Eastern Bloc kind of country. So so it it, it sets the scene very very nicely. Yeah. Um. And of course, you know, the family sits down to TV night, and you know, shortly into TV night is when the first bomb hits the hat. The apartment um the parents are killed and then the second bomb hits while pietro and wanda are hiding under the table yes fun story when i was re-watching this um our three-year-old said after the first bomb go he's like what happened i said well it exploded and he goes is the house okay i was like no it exploded so three-year-old logic <laughs> right right um it is interesting the episode that Wanda picks of the Dick Van Dyke show, um, if you look at it, there are a lot of parallels to a couple of the, really the first two episodes of of WandaVision um, and, and some of the some of the scenes that we see, not necessarily the specific events, but at least the scenes. So that was kind of interesting. That was kind of cool. Um, and we also see that um, Pietro mocks her for always wanting to watch sitcoms and and we see that her motivation is that in the end everything works out okay no matter what shenanigans they get into everything always works out fine in the end which is like the ideal world for someone like her well, and and I mean her parents are both very supportive of the sitcom you know they, yeah they are just something that that is fun yeah um and you know as, as wanda is as we find wanda staring at this bomb from under the table she kind of starts to reach out at which point agnes pulls wanda out of the the memory um and we find out that we get, we get a little a little retcon here that <laughs> it's that wanda was responsible for the bomb not going off that she unintentionally used a probability hex and made the bomb a dud yeah I, that's exactly what i wrote was oh they retconned her abilities or where they came from um which is fine like it it didn't retcon it so bad that you're like that doesn't make sense no it, um, it, it works out very well I, I think in that scene yeah ba basically you know she was born with some degree of magic and then as we see in the next scene um it gets amplified by the infinity stone that she comes in contact with. Yep. So then we see um, Wanda in the Hydra base. Um, and this is basically Wanda as part of, of Strucker's experiment, um, you know, that both she and Pietro were involved in that we, you know, previously had presumed is what created their powers. Um, now obviously having said that there is, there is, there was something there before that is, has been amplified or, or, or changed. Um, I was a little disappointed that we didn't actually see Strucker doing the experiment. Yeah. That, that I was hoping for that and and was a little disappointed when we didn't see that especially because you know the previous exposure that we had there was a, a very short there was a there was a, a a post credit scene and then the beginning of age of ultron both of which involved strucker so yeah um but yeah but we see wanda exposed to loki's staff um it's a little unclear exactly what happens you know they basically tell her go touch it and she starts walking towards it and at least what we see happens is that the the gem on loki's staff comes off she reaches out to touch it it kind of honestly bursts but you know the outer coating breaks off and there's the infinity stone and she's exposed to it now whether or not that's actually how that that goes down or whether or not she but um what the scientists see through their cameras is she's standing in one spot and then 
there's a, a hard cut, a hard, you know, a skip, and she's just on the ground and in more or less the same spot. Yeah. The only, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to tell what they could see and what they couldn't because we do see a reaction from them. Yeah. As the gem, as the stone, whatever, starts levitating off of the staff. Now, whether that was just their reaction to her just instantaneously dropping or right. but uh, it's it's hard to tell what they know but what is on the camera is just her standing there and then her being on the ground instantaneously yeah um she is the first person to survive this and when she sees the stone when she is exposed to the stone uh the image the silhouette of the traditional Scarlet Witch look, kind of. I don't even know that it's the it's the traditional, but to to it's, me, it it's looks very like, obviously. Oh, it's very obviously Scarlet Witch, but to me, it looks more like um, there was in some of the more recent comics, especially like um, Uncanny Avengers. She was in a a long coat mm. instead of like the cape, and it looked like that to me. And I, yeah, I hope it, so because that's a look I love. Yeah, or it it kind of looked like a you know gown almost. But you know that it's the Scarlet Witch because of the very distinct uh, head silhouette. Yes, the, he- the headdress is, is always very distinctive. Um, so, so then afterwards, she is sitting in some isolation cell being observed, and she is watching the Brady Bunch. Specifically, she is watching the ep- the early episode um, that has to do with, with Cindy's doll, the one I mentioned several episodes ago. Um, so, again, you know, we... We see this connection to the, the, the previous episode, to the, the look and the feel of, of the show. Um, so, and, you know, Agnes at that point says, okay, you know, again, pulling her out of the memory. This is, the pieces are starting to come together. You know, you, you know, you had this, this little bit of latent ability that probably would have just kind of died where it was, but this exposure to the infinity stone, um, you know, has amplified your powers enormously. So yeah, she says, I have a theory, but I need more information. Yep. Um, backtracking a moment. There was one thing I did love was at the beginning of this scene, um, Agatha really calls her and Pietro out for jo- for basically jo- you know your your civilian apartment gets bombed so you join this anti-freedom organization and just i mean pretty straight up calls her out on it and it's really kind of funny but you know uh coming from Agatha who clearly did some stupid shady stuff when i mean maybe not stupid she's clearly several hundred years old at this point but um but she clearly did some shady stuff when she was younger so well, Who's to judge, really? <laughs> and it, it's also one of those things, you know, of course it, of course, when you put it like that, it sounds stupid. But I think anyone who has lived through the past, you know, almost 20 years now has really started to understand how events like that can actually radicalize someone. Oh, I mean, the, just, the, <laughs> just if you've lived through the past events of this year. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the, the radicalizing of, of Wanda and Pietro is, goes further back you know, happened further back than that. But quite honestly, that that, that parallels very closely the rise of, you know, the Islamic State and a lot of the, the, the Europeans that we saw going to join that organization, you know. So the concept of, of these, these kids who have just, just been through a terrible event becoming radicalized like this is really not that far-fetched. But obviously, you know, yeah, there, there is a, a significant logical fallacy behind really any radicalization. You know, in order to get there, you got to have some issues going on. So, you know, it's just funny that Agatha very blatantly points them out. And Wanda almost doesn't acknowledge it. She's like, we wanted to change the world. Look, okay, we, we know it was stupid. Just, just get off our back. And then after, uh, or as they're standing in, in Wanda's cell, another door appears. And... um. It, it opens up and we see Wanda sitting on her bed in Avengers Mansion. And the thing that hit me about this one... It's not Avengers Mansion. It's the, or the, compa- the compound. Right. It's the compound yeah. we see at the end of uh, Age of Ultron and at the beginning of Civil War. Yeah. Um, and the thing that really struck me about this is, and it makes total sense, this is the only door she goes into unprompted. Um 
the the first door she doesn't want to go in but agatha's like i have your children tied up so you're gonna do whatever i say the hydra door she's like i don't want to go back in there and agatha basically pushes her in and what we'll get to in a little bit is when she goes into sword um she's still uh agatha is the one who's like you wanted to get him back so and she's like oh yeah and then that's what prompts her to go in but the um avengers compound door is the only one that she truly she sees it and she is immediately drawn to it and this is really the only happy memory we see of i mean it's not super happy she's talking about how depressed she is over the death of pietro but we see her and Vision start to develop a relationship, start to, um, you know, and, and she says it's the first home that Vision and I shared. And so even though this particular moment that they're revisiting is painful, you know, that was the best time of her life, probably. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is shortly after Age of Ultron. So this is shortly after she has lost Pietro. So like she says, she's in a foreign country in a new place and her, her, all of her family is now gone. Um, you know, this is a very difficult place for her to be. And so of course she goes to, you know, her, her refuge, so to speak, again, sitcoms. Uh, and this time, this time she's watching Malcolm in the middle, um, so, you know, she's watching this and, uh, you know, she calls out to Vision, like knowing Vision's there, basically, and Vision comes in through the wall, which I think is funny because um, in um, Civil War, she brings it up like, Vision, we've talked about this. So this is kind of the, the, the beginning of the, the Vision just coming in through walls um, and not using doors, which is kind of funny. And he's so, like, genuinely, adorably naive and... You know, he's literally only a couple days old at this point um, with very little life experience. But he he wants so he's so sweet and he wants so desperately to help her. He just genuinely doesn't know how he does. Although as much as I enjoyed this particular scene um, and I and I thought it was very, very touching. There is a little part of me that says Vision shouldn't have that much humanity yet. That's fair. <laughs> um, you know, v Vision gives her a very meaningful um, something to think about, really. Talking about, um, you know, grief being the perseverance of love. And from what we've seen of Vision in Age of Ultron, and then even, even into Civil War, which is, you know, several months to a year later, you know, really, I don't think Vision has that degree of humanity yet. I don't think he really gets that until uh, the two of them start meeting up in between Civil War and Infinity War. I don't know. I mean, in in Civil War, you see him, you know, he's trying to make the paprikash for her and... But I think that's the beginning of that hum of that, that humanity. I don't think that's... I don't think we're that far into it yet. I mean, I think that's a fair assessment just given, again, he's only a few days old at this point and... I mean, our kids are a few years old and they're still a-holes. Well, yes, but they're also toddlers. <laughs> Right, right, but Vision's only a couple days old, and, and he's being nice? Yeah, I mean, newborns aren't a-holes. They just don't know how to function. You know, that in and of itself makes them a-holes. <laughs> in and of itself, just straight asshole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it. but it was a sweet scene overall. Oh, absolutely. Um, no, you know, it, it definitely hits you, hits you solidly in the feels. Also, side note, just somebody give Elizabeth Olsen an Emmy, like, now. Like, her acting in this episode is superb. Just so fantastic. The oh, I won't say the range, because she's basically depressed in every scene, but, um, but yeah, it's just... She's she is I, so fantastic in this episode. I, I will give her credit for for range in this series, not yes. necessarily this particular episode, but certainly the series as a whole. Yes. Um. So yeah. So and then you know Agatha wants basically wants to see you know she kind of sums up you know parents are dead, brothers dead, Vision's dead, and then like you said, she said you know but you wanted him back, and then we see you know the glass door with you know to the 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 lobby from of sword that we've seen before that we saw in the first episode or i'm sorry not the first the fourth episode where we see monica in in the lobby um talking to the same kind of uh you know dip when you know <laughs> trying to keep this pg here folks just not easy for me for anyone who has actually met me <laughs> 
um, the, the same, you know, jerk of a, of a front desk security guard. And, uh, you know, Wanda's basically saying, look, I know you have him. Like, when I came back, his body was gone. Because again, remember, Wanda disappeared in the snap as well. Which I, I will say is, is probably one of my favorite parts of that entire sequence. Is the look on Wanda's face when she begins to dissolve is not sadness or fear. It is legitimately a sense of relief. That she doesn't have to live in the world without vision. Which, I mean, after you've seen this episode and seeing all the trauma that she's been through in oh, her no, no. life, it's... It, it, yeah. it absolutely <laughs> reinforces that. It also, it also, to an extent, explains, you know, part of, part of, of her struggles here. You know, she didn't want to live in this world without vision. And, you know, she disappeared and didn't exist and didn't have to. And now she's back and she has to... She has to deal with this reality. Yeah. And because in in episode four, we saw the security cameras that Hayward was showing everybody about her breaking in and and stealing his body. That is what we are expecting to see in this scene that because, you know, all we saw were blurry security uh, footage before in a few quick seconds. So we're like, oh, OK, we're going to see um see her breaking in seeing her steal vision's body and that's not what happens no not at all um and in fact you know wanda's basically pleading with this this desk security officer she finally gets let in to talk to hayward um and you know it's one of those things i was expecting hayward to be more malicious or have more malignant intent and there it there is really no malice there it is just he is a bureaucrat Yep. <laughs> and he's doing he's doing what he is doing because he has been told it is the right thing, it is what he is supposed to do, and he is going to go do it. Uh he you know, he actually makes the statement, you know, because after they start talking, she shows him into the lab where they have vision, you know, dissected basically. And uh and you know, he says that they have the the legal and ethical responsibility to do what they're doing and doesn't say it he's not angry about it. it it's a statement of fact there's no personal feeling behind it yeah which in in certain regards is better in certain regards is worse um, yeah. he is entirely unfeeling to her to her position you know and, and again part of it's it's nice that it's not malicious that that hayward is not doing this you know out of spite but at the same time he's doing very wrong by this person and quite honestly very wrong by vision and sees no issue with that and i mean we do get a sense that he is coaxing her he he feels like she may be the key to turning vision on which we'll get to in a second but um, but you can see he's like, you know, not everybody has the ability to, uh, to, to bring their soulmate back to life. And she's like, that's not what I'm, I just want to bury him. It's not what I'm talking about at all. Um, which, so we see in this scene and kind of jumping around a bit, but the fact that she doesn't actually resurrect vision makes me so happy <laughs> because I have been like, I've been kind of thinking that that doesn't make sense for her character to have done that at the end of Endgame when she's talking to Hawkeye she's like they're gone they're uh they're really truly gone and then uh when she's talking to her sons about the dog and she's like no we we can't bring people back to life we have to just deal with death and accept it I'm like it's so out of character for her to have resurrected vision it was out it's out of character but again i was expecting more of like a house of m where her reality has just become so fractured that 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 this is not something she has done purposefully yeah um and, and again we'll kind of see here in, in a second how that fits in um yeah so you know hayward like you said kind of goads her um you know and she you know sort of breaks in right there they're kind of looking down in this on this lab from an observation area and she smashes the glass and comes down uh to investigate her for herself and she determines that vision isn't there she does the same move that she did in the beginning of infinity war where he he was having like an existential crisis about the mind stone um and and she you know did the little waving her hand over his head and was like i just feel you and in this scene she waves her hand 
over his head and says, I can't feel you. And oh my gosh, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> well, like, again, you know, we think, you know, so much has happened in between point A and point B. But for them, for her, a couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah. Um, I also think it's important to note that, you know, obviously a few episodes ago, we were told and, and the characters were told that she had broken in. And we see in this scene, especially it, it's especially, um, I don't know, apparent or obvious when she's sitting at the, she's standing at the front desk trying to be let in and they finally are like, okay, you can go. And the, um, the guy at the front desk is like, I have to buzz you in. And she goes, no, I've got it. And she bursts the doors open. She was capable of doing that the whole time. She could have broken in and stolen his body if she wanted to, but she is playing by the rules. She's playing, I mean, granted, not eventually, not so much, but she's trying to play by the rules of nature. She's trying to play by the rules of man. And she she's trying so hard. And yeah, I I just felt like this episode was redeeming to her, which made me happy. Sure. Um. Yeah. And and you know after after she says that you know I can't feel you, she leaves. She gets. We see her get in her car and leave. Yeah, she drives away like a normal person. Right. But she drives to Westview, and we see her. We see her driving through town. We see several of the people we have seen so far. We have. We see Jones. We see Mrs. Hart. Um, we see the delivery guy. Yep. I think Herb was. I don't think that's Herb. I don't know. It kind of looked like him. Um, yeah, but we see several several of the townspeople we're familiar with, and then Wanda goes to the neighborhood where you know we were used to seeing their house, and she pulls up to I can't tell, and I think I think it's an abandoned. I think it's a house that was under construction was abandoned. Yeah, and it, like it's the, also worth noting that um, that Westview is a depressing little town. It's not nearly which fake Pietro Pietro mentioned. Uh, in in the halloween episode like oh you you gave everybody better houses and better jobs and like you you made this town better and we see that as she's driving through like there the shops are are closed the pergola in in the center of town is you know has fences around it and inaccessible the pool is the community pool is a mess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of a dumpy little town. But they get, you know, she gets there and she steps out. And basically there's this just this foundation of a house. But obviously either a house burned down or, or you know, it was a house under construction or something. But, you know, she gets out and she's holding a, a, a property deed for what would have been this house. And there's a, a, a heart on it um, and a note from Vision saying, you know, this is where we're this is where we'll grow old. Yeah. And, so... and 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 that's the that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. That is the point at which she can't she can't take her grief anymore. And you know, she falls to her knees just sobbing. And at that point, that is when the magic really takes hold. And that is when Westview becomes transformed and the house is built and everything at that point goes to the 1950s and basically she reverts to kind of her idealized universe which is this, this dick van dyke uh universe and we see not only does wanda create this universe she also creates vision so the vision <laughs> we have been seeing through this entire series is not the real vision which explains why he can't remember anything before a couple of weeks before right before Westview, is he didn't exist before then. This vision, yeah, is is, a, is entirely a creation of Wanda. Yeah, he doesn't have any memory of anything before Westview, and he also said in the last episode, he's like, I feel like all of this happened to somebody else, like not me. I don't feel like this happened to me, right? And that's because it didn't. Yeah. Um. So you know, they're standing in this in the 1950s house again, and then effectively, like the camera kind of pans, and we see the soundstage. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's wonderfully weird. Yeah, very trippy. Very cool though. Um, and the only person sitting in the audience is Agatha, who begins to you know slow clap and then makes herself disappear. Um, you know, Wanda's left a little confused by this and then she hears her kids yelling and she runs out of the house and in the middle of the street is agnes levitating with some kind of magical leashes around the boys necks and we get a little bit of a monologue from from agatha we also get to see her witch costume which is so pretty <laughs> 
um we get this little bit of a monologue that you know she now knows what what wanda is that she's something that shouldn't exist she's extremely dangerous um what she's using is called chaos magic which is is something that has been pulled from the comics um i don't have a a good definition of it um other than i i do recognize it from uh the children's crusade story specifically which is a a story about the uh wanda and 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 her children um and then she says you basically you are the scarlet witch called it yep yes you did (laughs) um so instead of the scarlet witch being some kind of code name it is apparently some kind of mythological being entity something like that in in the the witch mythos it's kind of like anakin skywalker being the chosen one in star wars yeah like it's ill-defined, but apparently it's a thing that they know about. Yeah. Also, what's interesting, which the interweb told me about this one, um, is after um, Agatha says, "You are the Scarlet Witch." It goes. It starts going to the credits, and this is the first time that it doesn't say, "Please stand by." Um, and I. Th- think that's because this wasn't a tv episode right this is really the first episode that's that doesn't take place in a television show yeah and then right and then <laughs> we get a a mid-credit scene um this time it is outside of the the hex and it's with, with haywood or hayward yeah and they have the drone that that wanda took down and they use the drone to repower the real vision who now is stark white and very creepy looking (laughs) a bit yes um i mean and honestly again i don't have all the all the background on it um but there was a period of time where where vision in the comics did have that appearance yeah and going back to um just this whole revelation about both visions now um because now there are two of them um one the fact that wanda created the vision that exists inside the hex explains why he wasn't able to leave the hex and why it was it was pulling him back and he was disintegrating as he was attempting to leave it because his existence is tied to this magic um that vision cannot exist outside of the hex um and then it also explained because something that had been bugging me and i don't think i mentioned it on here at all but if wanda had stolen vision's body like why why was hayward not actively looking for it i mean because he he set up this story that she had come in and stolen it, and, and then in this episode we he's talking about like that's three billion dollars worth of vibranium right there, but when Monica goes back to to Sword, he's not talking about that. There's no sense of urgency when they are dealing with the hex at the beginning, and they have no idea what's going on. They don't know that Wanda and Vision are in there. You know, he's if Wanda had stolen Vision and something weird was going on, you know, I feel like there would have been some sense of urgency. I feel like there would have been some way to put two and two together. And the fact that he hadn't until after the broadcast was discovered um, was already suspicious to me. It was suspicious. However, I will say that, you know, I always kind of felt that it was, you know, because we already knew Hayward wasn't letting on to everything, you know, his lack of urgency and that kind of stuff was just more of that. It was, you know, he was, he had things going on behind, like he didn't, you know, Monica didn't find out about it because, you know, he was trying to keep it a secret and, you know. Right. But I don't understand why, but. Uh, Government agencies. Well. <laughs> secrets. Uh yeah, I mean, why he spun this lie about Wanda stealing Vision's body and why he was lying about, you know, clearly he was trying to get Vision back online. And but then he's also saying, like, you know, that would be against the Sokovia Accords and the Vision's living well, no, will. Well, he like, didn't say it was against the Sokovia Accords. He said he, he said James, it was James Wu did. Yeah. So he's basically in to a large using that as a cover, right? He is he is trying to bring Vision back because, you know, sentient weapons 
are what his organization does. And basically, it goes back to, I think, the bureaucracy thing. You know, as a bureaucrat, he has been told, this is the right thing for you to do. So he's going to go do it. But he recognizes that to someone who doesn't understand what, you know, for lack of a better term, the bureaucracy, you know, what, what he's supposed to be doing, that they could see it as morally reprehensible. So he's just not dealing with that. He's just, okay, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this over here where nobody can see it and then nobody's going to bother me and I can I can do what I'm supposed to do. Sure. Um, another thing that my sister pointed out was that, you know, he, we saw that Hayward had been tracking vision inside the hex using the decay rate of vibranium or whatever. And so she was like, wait, that means that Wanda created vibranium, created $3 billion worth of vibranium to make vision. And and I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, Wanda's powers are like the exact opposite of Thanos's uh economic plan (laughs) like she can just create uh resources and uh, create better lives for people and it's exactly in parallel with her uh perpendicular perpendicular (laughs) exactly opposite from um from what thanos was trying to do which I just thought was interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah. I don't think that's going to come into play at all. I just think it's interesting. Sure, sure. Okay, now speaking of coming into play. All right, so this was the last, this was the second to last episode, the penultimate episode. Our favorite word. Word of the day. Um. So any predictions for the final episode? Not a one. Well, from the get-go, I have been worried about vision. Uh, like, I have just assumed that at the end of this series, Vision is going to be gone from the MCU. After this episode, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but, and Paul Bettany's, now he's going to get to play this white Vision. And that guy is just milking this role for all he can. He's, he's, he's got to make up for those uh, endgame residuals he's not getting. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think... I think that Hex Vision is not going to make it because the Hex has to has to end. Um, I mean, it has to. So uh, it, it does. I think the two are somehow going to merge. That would be ideal because I do not want her to have to go through through that again. Now, in fairness, in the comics, I mean, Vision, like I said, I've said before, Vision has gone through swings of very human to very, very robotic. And so this may be this may be representative of that. But yeah, I I really don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, I think I'm going to just refrain from making predictions at this point because there's so many variables that I mean. I assume it's going to be a long episode. We have to figure out where Monica is. I assume we... you are going to cry so much. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, We've got the kids. We've got Monica. We've got Darcy and James Wu. We've now got two visions to deal with. We've got Agatha. We've got Wanda. And we've got everybody in the hex. The only thing... I, I do have some predictions for what's not going to happen. Okay, let's hear them. Um, so a lot of people, and and I have gone through periods where I have agreed with this, think that Dottie has some significance. Um, yeah, I'm shaking my head. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, and and I've, you know, Agatha said at one point like Dottie is the key to everything, and um, and she, you know, was the only one who didn't really like Wanda. Um, and yeah, but this is also before, before Agatha figured out what's going on. Yes. But I was like, how does Agatha know that? Do- like, how does Agatha know anything? Because she's not part of the like hive mind of no, well, but, the TV show. But, well, but. but what Agatha has basically let on is that she's the one, she has been manipulating things to try and force Wanda out of this. Um, you know, the whole yes, Agatha, it's, yes. it was Agatha all along. Agatha's not in control of, of. The, the the reality so to speak but she's trying to push wanda to the point where she could get through to the real wanda yes side note before i finish my dotty not prediction but um i was re-watching the second episode this morning and um when uh when james Wu is calling out to wanda over the radio and we hear the beach boys song help me Rhonda." 
um, that song doesn't start playing until he starts talking. And so I think that's the radio signal trying to transform into something that's appropriate for the period. Interesting. Yes. So I'm going back <laughs> making an observation. But but anyways, um, going back to the Dottie theory and also the Mephisto theory that's been um that's been around there. I don't think you're as scratchy as Mephisto. <laughs> um or or anything I don't think we're ever gonna find out anything about Ralph. I just think there's um I don't think they're going to introduce any new bad guys in the very last episode. Um, yeah, no, probably not. Although that that may actually end up being my biggest disappointment for the series is we don't. Ha- there may not be a Ralph. <laughs> I know Agatha's just. Oh man, she's had such an emotional roller coaster with Ralph. Like you know, first he's like this deadbeat husband, and no, I mean pretty then... much the whole time he's been Ralph Cramden. Well, yes. But <laughs> one of these um, days, Alice. One of these days. Yeah, but then in another, uh, in another one, it's she's got a strong libido and he can't keep up, and then other times she's not attracted to him at all. She's she's had quite the wild ride with Ralph, and I don't think he exists. So. <sighs> no, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't see how they could fit any new major twists in the last episode they it the last episode has to be for resolution so that that is my prediction is that there are no other bad guys that are about to be revealed except for maybe in the post credit scene yeah i mean I, I would i would tend to agree with that um plus you know like after next after next week you know falcon and the winter soldiers taking over so yeah um yeah aside from like i said vision the visions merging um i don't really i don't really see anything else um i, I mean I, I don't think the kids are gonna make it either yeah i, I i'm gonna cry a lot if if something happens to the kids i'm gonna cry if something doesn't happen to the kids i'm gonna cry it's just <sighs> yeah no i, I, <laughs> I hear you um yeah i think that's about it though any any final thoughts on this episode the penultimate episode <laughs> the penultimate episode i think this episode i every single other episode when it ends i'm just like jaw dropped like why is it ended like uh, it should have gone on for much longer i needed more information and this one i felt satisfied and i don't know if it's because i know that everything's going to get resolved next week or if it's because we're we're finally at the point where more questions are being answered than being presented but um but this episode ended and i was like yeah okay cool i feel like that was a good good ending point not that i have felt like the others weren't good ending points they were just such cliffhangers <laughs> And they were so abrupt. Yes. This this felt more like a, a, a solid ending point. I mean, obviously it was, you know, dramatic and whatnot, but it, it wasn't just an abrupt drop. Yes. So remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Join us next week for the final episode. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. <laughs>